to another episode of Talking to Myself. I'm your host, Jake Letizia, and this is the podcast where I look into a camera and I talk to myself. Hi, how's it going? How are you doing? Good? I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. I hope everything in your life is fucking awesome. I hope that you have nothing but good things to look forward to in your current situation. Right? I have I have a good thing to look forward to. The PS5 comes out next week. Right? That's big news. That's the only news happening right now in the world, right? The only thing happening, the only news that I know of is the PS5 is coming out next week. I don't know of any other thing that's happening, really. There's no other big headlines that anyone needs to know about or does know about, right? There's no, it's not like there's anything else happening in North America. It's just the PS5. That's it. It's just a happy, cool, fun, electronic entertainment system that's coming out. Nothing else. No death and destruction. No what the fuck is going to happen hanging in the balance. No, just a awesome thing that you put in your hands and you can shoot things with. That's it. That's the only thing coming out. A device where you can play all your old games faster on. That's what's coming. And that's the only thing. <laughs> um, how you guys doing, man? Hope you guys are all doing fine. I'm doing okay. I'm doing decent. Um, I, I guess last time on the, I get, it's, it's always hard to start this fucking podcast. I never know what to jump into immediately. I should just start this podcast in the middle of me talking, just talking fucking nonsense. Right. I always start it with talking just to the camera, talking to whoever's listening, but <laughs> it feels so strange. I don't know. Maybe you guys like it. I have no fucking clue. Anyway. What should we talk about, guys? PS Five's coming out. It's coming out, dude. And the world is wonky and terrible right now. But that that that's one silver lining in the chaos. I think <laughs> is that pretty soon we'll be able to tune out for at least one or two hours a day and uh, and just enjoy some solace by ourselves, shooting things in Fortnite or Call of Duty, whichever battle royale you prefer. You'll be able to dive into with a fucking more uh uh impressive controller soon right i hear the ps5 controllers fucking sick i've heard the word haptic the haptic feedback a lot when they're describing the ps5 i've heard the word haptic feedback a lot when it comes to that controller and then i've heard a lot of xbox one going god damn it why didn't we fucking improve our controller I keep seeing everything that I guess I guess PS5 was like, listen, our best thing is our controller. Let's have everyone only talk about that. That was the first thing I heard about the PS5 once everyone got it shipped to them, like all the all the different uh, gaming outlets and stuff like that. As soon as they were allowed to speak, Sony was like, you can talk about the controller as it pertains to the free game that we gave and one of the levels that you play in it. 
What a weird restriction. It's always weird the restrictions a video game company puts on a person. You know? On what they can and cannot say. It's like, just let people like the controller. Obviously, you know the controller's interesting enough for people to want to talk about it. Why does it have to be specifically to one level in the free game that you downloaded? So then people have to do this weird backwards speak beating around the bush thing of like, oh, well, in that one level, the controller works amazingly. I don't know about the other levels, even though I beat the whole game in a half an hour. Uh, it works It works well in the one level I can talk about. It's fucking amazing. There might be other sections where it's also incredible too. It might just be an incredible controller no matter what game you're playing with it, but I can't speak to that. I don't know. It's weird. Apparently the interface is not as good as the uh, the uh, the PS4. I don't know. I'm just basically parroting what Giant Bomb has said. Also, you if you don't even play video games, this is not interesting to you. P, I'm excited, dude. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, you know things aren't going that well in general for the nation or my particular personal life. So why not look forward to a video game console? You know, why not look forward to something that. I spent money I don't really have on and something that will not improve my life in any way, shape, or form. Why not look forward to that, dude? Is there anything more American than that than drowning your misery and failure into something that won't help it at all? Isn't that the American dream? <laughs> anyway, um... Dude, I didn't talk enough about Nexium. Last week, at the very end, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I watched The Vow on HBO. And I feel like I didn't nearly get into it enough. Um, but then, upon starting this podcast this week, I, I was like, do I even remember what happened in that show? That's how fucking forgettable of an experience that cult was for me as a viewer. <laughs> Which is really fucked up when you think about it. Because I spent, what, nine hours? I think it's nine episodes. Either eight or nine hours watching this cult unfold in front of me. And watching uh, Keith Raniere be shown to be an utter piece of shit that you already knew he was immediately in the beginning of the fucking show. From the moment he kisses someone on the lips and then you see that he kisses everybody on the lips, you're like, oh, something's fucked up with this guy. Oh, this guy's using the ease of kissing people as an excuse to easily do other shit to people. But I was really thinking about it. I was like, women have been branded in this cult, Right? They're, they're, they've, they've had physical marks branded onto their body from this cult. And I forgot about it in a week. <laughs> now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that says. I don't know if that says that I'm fucked up for forgetting such a horrifying thing. If the world is just that chaotic right now and fucked up that something like that just goes one in goes in one ear and out the other 
something as terrible as a fucking psychotic manipulator convincing women to create a group where they call each other master and slave so that they can maybe have the chance to fuck this guy and then they also get his initials branded on them. The fact that I could hear about that sort of a cult and then the next weekend go, oh yeah, the PS5 is coming out. I don't know if that's me being fucked up or the world being so fucked that just I'm jaded as shit. I don't know. But it's definitely strange, man, (laughs) to forget something that horrific so easily. And it also had me thinking, like, maybe Keith Raniere is such a boring human being that he had to get these women branded for them to actually remember who he was. (laughs) He's the most uninspired, boring fucking cult leader of all time that he was like, I got to get them branded because they don't know my name. They forget it. They forget I even exist. God damn it. If only there was some way they could remember that I'm still, I'm still yapping in their ears. Because they, they're starting to ignore me now when I talk to them. <laughs> he, he got them branded so that they could be like, oh shit, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, oh yeah, that guy's around. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit, I forgot I got this. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. That guy, fuck it. That guy's annoying. Why did I get this? Oh, man. No, that's fucked up, dude. That's fucked up that that would happen, that they did all that. I'm not, you know, I don't mean to make fun of the people it happened to. I'm I, I'm trying to make fun of, uh, I'm more poking fun at Keith and how, how much of a fucking loser he is as a cult leader. Okay? I understand that he preyed on broken people who he could manipulate. But, um, and so it's fun to think about, like, you know, it's like the Marilyn, it's like uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like, and some people don't like that, but I think it is a good thing. Of uh, He makes the, the Manson family look like such bumbling fucking idiots that to me it reduces any sort of power they had at all. It reduces any sort of, because those people and someone like Keith Raniere, someone like Keith Raniere wants to think, ooh, I branded these women because they fucking, because I they're so into me that I could do it and I manipulate. <laughs> like, he wanted to think that he was so fucking interesting and and such a mastermind that he could have that happen. But to, 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 uh, uh, to put it in the context of, like, even with a brand, the women he manipulated f- keep forgetting that he exists. <laughs> That's what that's what it is, dude. That's what it really is. Because that guy's fucking sucks. You know what I'm saying? Even if that's not true, fuck him. That's true. He's so boring that they fucking forget. <laughs> fuck that guy. You know? And it's like the it's like I don't listen, even if the if the Marilyn fam the Manson family wasn't not Marilyn Manson. Jesus, sorry, Marilyn. Isn't it Charles Manson? Chucky Manson? Even if they weren't bumbling idiots, I like to picture them that way because fuck them. Because you know that they want to be perceived as this incredible, awesome fucking family. 
They want to be perceived as these psychotic, frightening killers that they were. You know, that's why they murdered Sharon Tate. That's why they did the awful shit they did because they wanted to be seen as terrifying. And fuck them. They're not terrifying. They're idiots. You know? So to make something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that completely changes the perception of them so that now they're bumbling fools is, to me, a um, a worthwhile critique and a worthwhile fuck you to make towards people that did something so terrible. You know? But I understand the other argument. The other argument is that, well, you're reducing the damage they did or people take it as you're you're insulting the intelligence of the people who are harmed by them because oh if they're such bumbling fools then what you're saying is that like you know that the people who who hurt them must have been even more bumbling but I don't I don't think that's true I think that the person reading into it like that they're the ones saying the the victims are stupid you're not <laughs> You're saying the opposite. You're saying these people are idiots and you're trying to transform the victims into into uh, people with strength. People who are who are also saying, look at this fucking idiot. You know, I think you're I think I don't know. I think it's something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is trying to and other things like that, that 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 turn um, evil characters or 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 certain institutions that we fear into something to laugh at and make fun of, I think I think you're empowering the victims of those systems because you're saying, look how stupid this shit is. We all can see it, you know? I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make any sense. Maybe it does. Who fucking knows? Didn't expect to talk about any of that right now. What I really wanted to talk about was Keith Raniere's stupid fucking saying that he said. So Keith Raniere in, in Valerium... <laughs> No, in Nexium, in The Vow. There's a part in the fucking thing. I said this last podcast, but this guy is the most just pontificating nothingness out of the front of his face guy I've ever seen in my life. Like, everything he says is garbage. It's like, you know, you don't know yourself, but maybe one day you might. And maybe if you knew yourself enough to push past tiredness, to push past what you thought you couldn't do, maybe you would become the best self. You need to transcend your body and realize that your mind is the only thing pushing you forward. That your mind can defeat your body so that you can be an expert at what you know but never found out. That's the kind of garbage he spews. Just fucking half-spoken word poetry, marbled mouth, unscientific shit. That's what he does. But there's one part in the documentary that I think was like the epitome of like his marbled mouth garbage. The epitome of him saying something that he thinks is smart as fuck, but anybody examining what he says, is you're like, oh, that's a stupid fucking thing to say. Oh, I can see right through this assholes bullshit this long hair trying to look like chucky mance manson wannabe fuckface he says at a certain point in the documentary he goes uh he goes we don't want people who who think that they can be brainwashed we don't want people like that we want people who don't think that they can be brainwashed because because those are the people who are who who have strong minds are the people who don't, who aren't worried about something like that. If you're worried about being brainwashed, you have a weak mind. 
If you if you get brain if you get brainwashed, you have a weak mind because you should have a strong enough brain to not be brainwashed. You know. And then he compares Nexium to Walmart by by going, you know, if you go into Walmart and you have a heart attack, it's not necessarily Walmart's uh, fault that you have a heart attack. What? 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 Dude, that's like that's like my dad saying, you know, if you if you if you go to a butcher shop and you get a cut of meat and the cut of meat fucking kills you, it's not because of the cut of meat. Like that's like so obviously like the weird, the weird saying of somebody who thinks they're saying something smart or interesting, but anyone listening goes, "Hey, what are you? What is that? That's stupid, man." Because the comparison is, oh, you wouldn't go into Walmart and blame them if you got a heart attack. It's not necessarily their fault. But if you go into Nexium and you take a bunch of classes where they talk about uh, empowering yourself and changing the way you think, then it's not necessarily that they brainwashed you. When I walked into Walmart, did they shove hot dogs down my throat until my fucking heart rate? Until my cholesterol got so high that my heart exploded? No, dude. Okay? If I went into Walmart and I walked around, walked in, and every aisle I walked into, somebody was like, Can I help you? They shouted, Can I help you at you? To the point where you fucking, your heart seized up. Yeah, then maybe it's probably the employee's faults, at least. I don't think that's a fair comparison, dude. When you, when your whole, when all of Nexium is a hierarchy of classes that are about changing your mind and body and becoming the best individual you've ever been. Like, the whole thing is a brainwash culture. What the fuck are you talking about? That's not a good analogy. That analogy makes it clear that you fucking are dumb. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe maybe other people out there are like, you know what? That's a good... It's just I can't imagine anyone at home watching that part. And in the movie or in the show, in The Vow, they they portray it like, oh, this is like, wow, isn't that... that what a fucking interesting, smart way to put it. And you're like, no, it isn't, dude. It's fucking dumb as shit. He's dumb. There's a bunch of parts in the do- in the doc that feel like they're trying to make you feel a certain way and I'm feeling the opposite like there's this other part I don't think I talked about this last week I don't think I had enough time but the three main people is Mark who's like this documentarian who like had a hit documentary that made a shit ton of money and then he joined Nexium and got totally brainwashed then there's his wife Bonnie and uh Catherine uh and Catherine's like a celebrity of some sort She's an a-, a famous actress, and Bonnie was in Star Wars, and she's also a singer. Anyway, she's married to Mark, and there's this thing called penance in in uh, Nexium. First, also Nexium, it's okay. Nexium is spelt N-E-X-I-U-M. That's not how it's spelt. It's spelt like N-X-V-U-M or something like that. It's spelt not how it's pronounced at all. And if that isn't the first red flag, I don't know what the fuck is. If somebody asks you to join something called Nexium and it's spelled don't join it. You know? 
If I told you, hey, you want to play baseball? And you're like, sure, I'll play baseball. And they go, how's that spell? And I go, B-B-A-L-S-D-H. You should look at me and go, hey, man, I don't want to play that anymore. Hey, man, that's not how you spell baseball, dude. Nexium. N-V-X-U-M. or some, It's some sort of spelling that I can't even remember. And at a certain point in the documentary, they were like, Oh my God, I keep fucking spelling it wrong. I can't remember the spelling of it. Yeah, because that's part of it, dude. Because the fact that he got you to remember the spelling of something that isn't phonetically it at all means they got your brain washed, you know? Anyway, there's a part in the doc where Mark, there's a thing called penance where it was like you punished yourself for doing stupid shit. And Catherine was saying, was like bringing up a story of how she saw Bonnie was sleeping on the floor of Mark and her and Bonnie's bedroom. And Catherine was making a joke about it. And Bonnie in kind was also making a joke about it. And they were both laughing about it of like how crazy that is. And Bonnie was like, yeah, I probably thought it was like a good thing. I was probably like bragging about it. And Catherine's like, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Um, And they're having a good time. They're laughing about it. Because sometimes when something tragic happens, you make fun of it. Because that's how you deal with it. That's your medicine, is laughing about it. Okay? So Mark is watching them talk about this, and then all of a sudden Mark is like, is like, no, I can see you're hurt. I can see you're hurt. I can see you, you I can't, I can see that you don't want to joke about this. He says that to Bonnie, who is very, is making a very clear, she is, she is okay to joke about it, because she's joking about it and laughing. And Mark steps in and goes, no. You can't be joking about this. I know this isn't something we should be joking about. We can't be joking about this right now. Normal people don't go and join a cult. Normal people don't join a cult. I, I didn't, I didn't join a cult. You didn't join a cult. People don't, people don't purposely join a cult. Okay. You think it's funny that she was sleeping on the floor next to me? I don't think it's funny. I think that's terrible. That's terrible that I let you do that. We're not ready to joke about this. And as he's doing this. The two women are silent and they cut to Catherine for a split second and she goes like this. Like she almost smiles for a split second but then doesn't because you can tell that she wants to laugh at him for the same reason I want to laugh at him because I'm like, hey dude, are you serious? Are you really making the fact that your wife slept on the floor next to you about you, fuckface? And then he goes, you know, I'm not a bad person, but I'm struggling with that. I'm trying to, I know I'm a good person, but I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time right now. (laughs) And it looks to me like Catherine's holding back laughter because she want to laugh in this. She wants to laugh in this dude's face who's saying, I'm having a hard time right now. You're having a hard time. This other woman, Sarah, who's not present in the room got branded, dude. How do you think she's having? What kind of a time do you think she's having, huh? If you're having a bad time, what's she having? Okay? Dude, this guy Mark, listen, I understand he was brainwashed, but he spent the whole beginning of the documentary when his wife Bonnie was like, you know what, Keith is actually a psychopath. And then we find out later in the documentary, that's the thing too, as they reveal more and more what they knew about this dude, you aren't going like, wow, they really brainwashed them. You're going like, oh. you're getting mad at Mark for in the beginning not agreeing with his wife and being like, yeah, this is fucked. 
she's like, hey, because towards the end, they start showing a Keith just straight up being like, you know, women are stupid. We're better than women. Men are better than women. You're fucking women are fucking dumb. And like doing this weird gender shit where you're like, oh, this guy hates women and he's fucked in the head. And to the point where you're like, I don't know. Then Mark is, there's certain moments where Mark is like, because he has people, he has this female group and this male group. And then he has, and he's saying all this fucked up shit in front of the men and the women. And then Mark, later in the documentary, is like, you know, I knew that some of it was strange, but he was so brilliant that he made it work. No, he didn't, dude. I'm watching the footage. He didn't make it work. Everything he was saying was fucking weird, dude. I don't know. Anyway, it just is fair. It's a very frustrating scene because the whole first episode or second episode is Bonnie telling him like, Hey, this is fucked. Like I'm starting to like really open my eyes to this shit. And it's Mark being like, what? it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you think he's a bad guy. It's not like the other day he was screaming at a, in a woman's face and saying that, that he doesn't take her seriously. I don't understand why that's a weird thing. I don't, under, I don't understand why you think he's not a good guy. She's like, no, I think he's just like a weird manipulative dude. And like, I don't think he's good to the women. A lot of the women are unhappy here. And he's like, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's not like we made this whole group where, uh, where, it was under the pretense of 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 men acting like women and and women get, getting to be the men where the men just get to berate and shit on the women the whole time. It's not like we created a group like that. It's not like I can't immediately understand why you think this guy is fucked up. It's like he spent so much time being like, oh, it doesn't make any sense when it clearly made sense that to now in this moment when his wife is having a having her own way of dealing with her trauma, he goes, no, this is about me. Don't don't deal with your trauma by laughing because I can't handle it. And then what happens is Bonnie starts crying. So his wife was laughing, dealing with her shit in the way that she felt necessary. And then he screams at them and says, we can't joke about this. I know you're hurt by this. And then she starts crying because he's upsetting her. And then she goes, by the way, I was fine. Yeah, we knew you were fine, dude. I don't know why your fucking husband didn't. What the fuck is going on with this dude? I don't know, man. I understand he was in a cult and he was brainwashed, but at the same time, it's still your wife and you should be fucking aware enough to be like, hey, dude, I'm going to let her joke about this. I'm not going to take her out of the joke and make her sob on camera. Unless that was his fucking point. Maybe you thought it was more dramatic to have her sob. I don't know. The guy bums me out. If I'm being honest, the guy feels like a dude who wasted his life, wasted all of his good documentarian years on this, on this cult that now he's like desperately trying to make up for it by like having this show be a hit. <laughs> I don't know. Although people have told me that uh, he didn't. God damn, that fucking timer scared the shit out of me. Timer scared the fuck out of me. Um, although I have been told that he isn't like a creator of the show. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe the creators of the show thought that was a good. I don't know. I just don't get what they wanted me to get from that. Because what I got from that scene was, yo, this guy Mark is an asshole. I don't, I, you know, somebody else who I know who watched it was like, no, I think we were supposed to be against Mark in that scene. Like we were supposed to think he's an asshole. And I was like, I don't know though. 
because so much of the documentary is from his perspective of like we're supposed to believe like we're supposed to be on his side so that when this happens i'm like no dude like i felt like we were supposed to feel for him and be like oh my god he's really hurting and he's i felt like we were supposed to be like he's right they shouldn't joke about it cuz this is so fucked but i wasn't i was like no dude let him joke about it cuz for some people that's the way they deal with shit but maybe that's just because that's how i deal with shit usually and there's nothing more fucking irritating than like someone dies in your life or something really fucked up happens in your life and you're making a joke about it. And then somebody else like goes and then somebody else who, I mean, I guess he went through it, but he didn't go through the same shit as her. I don't know. And then somebody who didn't go through quite the same shit, but thinks they have them being like, Hey, you shouldn't joke about that. Just makes you want to fucking walk over and murder them. You know? Hey man, I can joke about it. Let me let me dictate whether or not I can joke about the shit that fucking happened to me, dude. Okay? Anyway, that was the end of the first timer. Hope the camera isn't out yet. I'll see you guys in the second half. What's up? I'm back. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, so that do- that documentary is weird as fuck, man. And the and the whole way that they end they end the documentary. The way the documentary ends is he gets arrested. Keith gets arrested. And then other people in the group, other higher ups in the group get arrested. And it, the very end of it is like, they're zooming in on a hotel. It looks like, or some building that you think that Keith, I guess is supposed to be in. And then he's saying like, Oh, there's two sides to every story. You only got one side. So how about you come? How about you talk to me? And then there's like, doom. You know, that music at the end, like, where it's supposed to be like, amp you up and be like, oh my God. Sorry, my fucking nose itches. Sorry, I'm itching my nose as I'm talking to you. Um, If you're watching the podcast, I'm, I I apologize for the aggressive nose itching. But yeah, it does that. Oh my God. You want to hear from this guy, don't you? Not really, dude. I don't really want to hear the psychopath's point of view. I mean, I guess I do. Here's, here's the thing with it. It's like the end of that documentary or the end of that season is interesting if this cult was like a while ago, but like the guy just went to jail. <laughs> so they made the like end of season one stinger where it's like without knowing this guy was sentenced to 120 years. So... And that's the weird thing, too, is you just like think about the behind-the-scenes aspect. Like They're like, oh, this guy's in jail right now. We don't know what's going to happen yet, so let's do another season where it's all about the trial and it's all about... It's all about it, we're going to interview Keith Raniere and hear his side of shit, and it's going to be like, oh, so interesting. I mean, part of you in the whole entire first season, you're wondering, you're like... Are we going to hear from Keith? Like, are we going to hear from any of these people they're talking about? So, yes, we. I do want that perspective in the second season, but at the same time, it's just it's weird. It's if it, it feels exploitive, just because I guess we're so close to it. It's like if the, it's like if Quentin Tarantino made Once Upon a Time in Hollywood two years after Sharon Tate was killed or not. Never mind. It's like he started writing the script while she died. (laughs) 
It's like right after she died, he wrote a script, and the next year the movie came out. Like, that would be fucking weird, dude. That would be so weird. Also, it's not even like that. It's like... It's like if they did a documentary about Chucky Manson while he was on trial for Sharon Tate's murder. And in the documentary, they're like, well, let's hear from Chucky Manson. Which I guess there, I don't know if that happened. It happened exactly like that, but I, I guess we, we have, uh, there have been a lot of interviews with uh, Charles Manson, like talking to him, trying to figure out like his twisted mind. But again, he's a fucking idiot. All these dudes are just fucking assholes, (laughs) right? You start talking to them, and then once you know it's psychobabble, you're just like, yeah, this sounds like psychobabble. This person just sounds like someone out of their fucking mind. They don't sound like an intel- like a superior intellectual who you listen to and you go, oh my god, I, he has all the secrets to the world. No, he sounds like a like a mumbly, marble-mouthed fucking fuckface. That's what it, they, they always sound like. Okay? They, uh, they sound like the dude in Mandy. If you don't know... If you want to have some idea of what a, a a cult leader is at their core, go watch Mandy. And the villain in that is the perfect fucking example of what those guys are in their bones. Okay? I don't want to spoil the movie, but the guy's a little bitch. <laughs> okay? I don't mean that in a derogatory way towards women. I mean that in a derogatory way. I'll use a better word. The guy's a little coward, piece of shit, fuck face. Okay? To make it ungendered, the guy's a little pisshead. He's a pissied mouth, fuck face. That's what he is. Um, But yeah, anyway, it's just strange. I mean, I'm gonna watch season two. <laughs> It's also just weird to think about how, like, I mean, the reason why I started watching this show is because he got sentenced to 120 years. But it's weird. It's just weird to know that they were probably, like, excited that he got 120 years because they're like, what a great ending to the series. Like, that, you know, that aspect of it's so strange. Maybe that's why you can't make something that close to it happening because you just, you're too aware of the production eye. You're too aware of the creator of the show being like, yeah, that's the perfect cap to the story. I don't know. Maybe it's just me thinking too much about it. Who knows? Anyway, that's enough about fucking Nexium. What did I spend 40 minutes talking about that? Um, yeah, man. Shit's wild, man. Back on the apps. I'm back on all the fucking apps. <laughs> I've probably done that like three or four times in the course of having this podcast, deleting all the apps and then downloading all of them again. What apps? The dating apps, dude. If I say the apps, I'm talking about the dating apps. That's not true. I don't delete all of them. I never delete all of them. It's like I always delete all but one. And this time around, it was I deleted everything but OkCupid. And now the other day, I downloaded all of them again. Why? I don't fucking know. I got Bumble again. Dude, Bumble. This is what happens with Bumble every time. I re-download it. It says I got like six people waiting in the queue to be matched with, right? And the way fucking Bumble works is, 
literally they never show up. You you can swipe for fucking days and you'll never reach the people who also liked you or who also matched with you. So the six people or seven people or whatever is just sitting in the heart fucking thing in the corner all fuzzed out. And the only way you can see those people and choose to match with them or not is if you pay the monthly fee. Or not the monthly, the weekly fee. And I swear to God, you pay the weekly. I do this every time. I go, I go because it's just a week. That's how they get you. You go, well, fuck it. I'll have it for a week. And it's enough money where you're like, ah, fuck it. It's a whole week. That's fine. If I divvy it up per day, it's like two bucks a day. It's fine, dude. I got that money. No, I don't. I don't really have any money. I'm running out of it fast, but... <laughs> But fuck it, I'll do it because I want to find some, I want to find love. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what the motivation is. It's just like, who are these people who like me? Maybe I'll like one of them, right? And then you buy it for a week. And then what happens is you, you, all those faces unfuzz. And then you go, nope, to all five of them. Or you go nope to five of them, and the sixth one, you're like, oh, yeah, I think I'd be interested in that person. And then you match for her to never message you. That's Bumble in a nutshell, is you paying 13 bucks for the week to find out who likes you because the app will never let you get to them. And then you find out, oh, only one of those people I'm remotely interested in. And because the app works where the girl only messaged you first, you never get messaged. Not to say that other women on the app don't take initiative, but it seems to be a common thing that the one person you match with after paying always is like, nah, dude, I'm good. <laughs> and then I swear to God, you match with less people once you pay. Every time I don't have the, the subscription purchased for it, I, f I get way more matches, but then suddenly when I pay, nothing, dude. What the fuck is that shit? And then Bumble is the only dating app where they have a lifetime subscription that you could buy. That's like 150 bucks. And I swear to God, it's just enough money for you to always buy that weekly. Because <laughs> you're like, I'm not going to spend 150 bucks on this fucking app. But then what? You spend you spend 13 bucks for the week and then you forget you have it for two more weeks and then what? And then at that point, I'm very bad at math, but what's that? 50 bucks you spent? Right? 26? 39 bucks? 39 bucks you spent accidentally? You do that over the course of four, five fucking years? You already spent 150 bucks. And they got your money and you don't have a lifetime subscription because you are fucking stupid. <laughs> you meaning me. Anyway, I'm on all the apps again. Fuck it. Who cares? I just, here's the thing about these apps is that you just, it's so soulless. It's so depressing. Like when you when you really distill it down to like what you do on the app, it's just you're treating people with such blatant disrespect 
just by virtue of using the app how you're supposed to use it. Like just the swiping left and right in general, like the the thought press process that goes on in your mind is mean and demeaning to to the two people on there. Like nobody nobody wants to be the person that you're thinking the way you think about them. What I'm saying is if you verbalize, when you're on the app, if you verbalize what you're thinking, it's mean to everyone you're swiping left or right on. It's just mean in general. It's just a bad way to be thinking about people that you potentially want to date, you know? Let me just do it. I'm going to just do it. Okay, so this is what we all sound like in our brains when we're on a dating app. This is exactly what we sound like. I'm going to swipe through and instead of just swiping through, I'm going to swipe, I'm going to swipe with what I'm thinking about each profile and my thought presses behind swiping left or right. Okay. This is it. Okay. All right. I'm just going to swipe and verbalize what I'm thinking. No, no, nope, no. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. Nope. Nah, 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 no, no, nope, uh, no, 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 can I get one yes, no, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Does that not sound awful? In a C, I said no to about 500 people. And then I said, oh, yeah, to one person. That's the most positivity you get from using an app like that is, oh, may yeah. That person might be okay. That's the, that's the, that's the tippy top of excitement that you get using one of those apps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe this person will be somebody I say a word to. Wouldn't that be nice? And then 90% of the time, at least for me, is no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a picky cunt. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an asshole. I got no idea. I just don't like I don't like that, you know? And yet I download these apps and I do that. And it's just, that's the thing. We all do it. Dude, we're all so fucking mean on the inside. Aren't we? I don't know. I got Hinge. And. Dude, it's funny because the way men talk about women, you think is mean because. They'll talk about like physical attributes, like physically, like, oh, that girl's, I don't think that girl's attractive or, oh, that girl's kind of ugly. Like, 
And you're like, oh, that's kind of mean. But then women talk about men the exact same way. And I would say more brutal for the most part. <laughs> you know? I've lived with women. I've, uh, you know, I'm very, I, I'm very close with women who, who are mean as fuck when it comes to men they've dated, men they're interested in, men who pursue them, but they're not interested in like, they're like, oh, that guy's fucking, I mean, that guy is like, uh, objectively ugly, <laughs> which I would never say. If I think someone's ugly, it's in my opinion alone. You know, I'm never going to say the whole world thinks that person's ugly. And if I do think that, take it with a grain of salt, because again, again, I've seen people who I'm not attracted to, who other people are like, no, that person is beautiful. So to each their own. But like I've had one particular friend of mine is like, hey, that person is, oh, that person's beyond disgusting. And you're like, hey, dude, Pull it back a little bit. <laughs> She's fucking ruthless, dude. But yeah, I don't know. But Hinge, that's what it was. I was using Hinge, and I was like, dude, I'm going to be honest. Like, Everyone's fucking ugly on this. <laughs> and I'm not that, I'm not, I don't think I'm that attractive of a human being, okay? I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking, I've said this before on the podcast, I'm anywhere from a five- to a to a to an eight. That's depending on who you ask. So, so let's say I'm a six at best. Um, but I'm I'm on this app, and I told a friend of mine, I was like, dude, Hinge is like has a lot of ugly people on it, and I was saying it to him because he's a good friend of mine. You know, I'm not gonna just willy nilly be like, yo, fuck up people on Hinge are disgusting. You know. But I was like, oh, you know, to my close friend, hey, yeah, people on here are fucking, they're not the best looking. And he, and he was like, and he looked at me like that was mean for me to say. He was like, oh, that's kind of mean. And I was like, dude, what, what? I'm just being honest. And, but he looked at me like throwing shade at me like, hey, dude, don't say that, right? Then he downloads Hinge about a month later and he got, and he comes to me and he goes, Hey dude, this might sound mean, but like, is it just me? Or like, is everyone on hinge ugly? And I was like, Hey man, fuck you. <laughs> no, it isn't just you. I told you this a month ago and you treated me like a fucking asshole. And now you come over here and say the same shit back to me like I'm supposed to go, yeah, man, I agree. No, dude, you're a fuckface too. Fuck you as well. Making me look like an asshole when you feel the same way once you use the thing. How about next time I say something to you, you look at what I'm talking about instead of going, um, that's mean. Only for you to a month later say the same thing. Anyway, I love that guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway, yeah, man. Dating, dating, dating is weird. I talk about it too much on here. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. I like to be just... I don't know. I don't have time for dating anyway right now. 
I just don't have the life I would want to even have a relationship. <laughs> uh, maybe that's depressing, but it's true, man. I've been thinking about that more and more. I don't, I don't, I don't feel good about my situation enough to bring someone into it. You know. You get lonely sometimes and you want to be with somebody and, 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 but at the same time you're like, yeah, but I don't know. Eventually you've got to figure your own life out before you bring someone else into your life. You got to have a life that makes sense and is what you want before you work on having it with somebody else, you know, cause that way you can have a good life that you enjoy and you can find out if you want someone to be a part of it or not. Otherwise, you're figuring out your life with somebody else, and their life might be a different life than they than you want. And it's just it becomes this fucking mess of like compromising each other's lives to have to both have a life that you don't want, you know, or to both have half the life you want. Maybe that's just part of dating. Maybe that's what dating is. It's it's two people compromising their lives, compromising their individual wants and needs so that they can both have what each other wants together. I don't know. Maybe there's a certain amount of compromise that's unavoidable in dating. That literally is just the pinnacle and primary part of it, the thing that holds it together is the compromise, is the fact that you're like, well, I love this person more than any other bullshit or any other way to live my life, that I'm willing to have some things go away because I want to make her happier, I want to be with her, and vice versa, she'll do the same for you, she'll give up certain things for you. But I don't know. At the same time, you're like, isn't a relationship supposed to be something where you can both cultivate lives together that you don't have to sacrifice? Should, like like where you are both living your lives in ways where you make sure the other person has what they want. You know? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I haven't been in a successful re- relationship for more than nine months in a long time. I mean, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago now. Was my last relationship. Lasted nine months. And uh, I think about that sometimes. Like maybe compromise is why it didn't work. I because I didn't compromise much. <laughs> I kind of just did what I liked to do, and I uh, I don't know. But our communication was bad. Like I didn't know that things that I continued to do were bothering the person, and I didn't know. You know, I didn't know how she felt. But maybe it was because I wasn't asking, but also maybe it was because she wasn't telling me. I don't know, but I also wasn't clear about what I wanted with her either. There was just, you know, things hidden that we weren't even, at least I wasn't even hip to the fact that I was keeping it hidden. I think that happens a lot with me, man. I think I keep things close to the vest or I keep things to myself and I'm not even aware of it. I keep certain feelings or certain ideas completely to myself and I don't even know that I'm doing it until until it's too late. And that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's something that I should uh, try not to do. I think I should speak my mind 
and um, tell people what I think. I think sometimes it's it's. Sorry, I'm ripping wood off this fucking thing I'm sitting on. I think sometimes it's harder to tell somebody that tell the person you're closest to something that you believe or something that's honest. It's harder to tell them than it is to tell a stranger. At least for me, I I like I'll be honest and open with people I barely know. But somebody I'm very close to, I can't tell them something something that I'm feeling, something dark that I'm feeling. And I think it's because for me at least it's because when you tell a stranger something about your depression or something about sadness in your life or a failure or something weird, you can joke about it and you could say it to them without them ever having to be a part of it. But when you're with somebody, you feel like their shit is your shit a little bit. So if you feel bad or you feel depressed, you almost don't want to share it because you don't want them to have to deal with it too. You feel like by... by By association, you're going to infect them with your bullshit. Because you're so intimate with one another. You're making your lives so intertwined that you 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 can't avoid them being stained by your garbage. And so you don't want to share it with them. I don't know. That's a problem of mine. I think I should work on that. Uh, and if you, I guess if you got something like that, you should fucking not do that, dude. Tell, tell the person you're close to, tell them you're sad, man. Tell them that, uh, things aren't, you know, you feel weird, you know, tell them that you need help. I don't know. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I'm just some fuck face screaming at himself. I'm just some fuck face screaming at a camera. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, it's funny the shit you realize just in general in life as uh, things happen. Dude, I was realizing I have this game called Rocky. You know the Rocky movies? I have a game that's like all five of the Rocky movies. And I brought it up last night to my friends. And we were just talking about Rocky. And uh, they started making fun of Sylvester Stallone's voice. Like, hey, Adrian. Like how he talks fucking like something's wrong with him. Um... And I, I remembered that in Rocky five, they, they talk about like, it's part of the plot that Rocky's punch drunk, you know, like he's been hit in the head so many times that he's got some brain damage. And I thought that, that I thought that that was an explanation for why Sylvester Stallone talked like that. So they were like, oh yeah, Rocky's punch drunk. And I was like, oh, that's why he talks like that. <laughs> Because I was too young to understand that it was a character he was playing. And I just thought, oh, well, this is Rocky. I don't know him outside of this movie. This movie is about a real guy, right? It was when you're young enough where you think actors are just the characters they're playing. And that movies are like just all true stories. And I thought, oh, wow. It took him long enough to tell us why he fucking can't talk. Like why he can't speak normal. <laughs> Because in Rocky 1, he was like, Adrian! And I was like, dude, why is he, what is going on? I was like, man, he's been punch drunk since his first fight. Damn, dude, he should have never been boxing. <laughs> if he sounded like that, if he was punch drunk before the Apollo Creed fight, imagine fucking the head trauma he's gone through now. Also, it's funny to have him be punch drunk because like, 
the way they box in those movies, you'd be dead, dude. The amount of time they just they just everyone just punches each other in the face ninety thousand times. You'd be punch you'd be punch drunk within the first thirty seconds of your title fight if you box like that. And this is coming from someone who doesn't know much about boxing, but at the same time, I'm correct. <laughs> dude, one of the most fun things. My uncle loves boxing. One of the most fun things was watching him. It was like one Christmas and, and Rocky four was on. And the most fun thing was watching him watch Rocky four and just go. And like during the fights when they're just fucking wailing on each other, he would just go. This is such bullshit. <laughs> He'd be like, that's not how people box. And I was, I, I would always be like, yeah, but that's more entertaining. Like I'd rather watch them fight than boxers fight because boxers hug each other. It's a, and there's some of that in, in Rocky of like the clinch, but in boxing that is used to a fucking inappropriate degree. Every two seconds they're fucking in the clinch, in in the clinch trying to get their their air back, which I understand, man. It's part of the strategy. It's part of the fight, but it's also like, I don't know. It's boring. <laughs> Rocky knew what they were doing. They were like, listen, if people are going to watch boxing fights, they got to be movie boxing fights. You know, say what you will about Sylvester Stallone in the way and how he might be punch drunk like Rocky is in the story. Say what you want about Rocky. And the fact that he is his character from those movies. And so that since his character is punch drunk, he's also punch drunk. I believe that as a child, but also I kind of believe it now. Say what you want about that. But at the same time, he knows what a movie fight should be, dude. This is the guy who made Rambo. Okay? He knows cinematically what gets people going, holy shit! It might not be a real, it might not be realistic, but it's something you can eat popcorn to. You know? Anyway... That's it for this week. I don't know if the camera's off right now. If it is, my bad. You can't see my ugly face right now. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Jake, you're an idiot. Jake, you don't make any sense. Jake, Peace.